Well, there's a question that I learned the answer to quite a long time ago. And the question is, what makes a bird a bird? What makes a bird a bird? Now, you may have never pondered that question. But I pondered that question because I was raised on Sesame Street. And like many of us who were raised on Sesame Street, Sesame Street caused us to ponder many questions. And the question that was pondered on that morning so many years ago on Sesame Street was, what makes a bird a bird? And I remember that distinctly. I remember that because I remember that I learned something that day. And I have never forgot. What makes a bird a bird? Is it because it has wings? Birds do have wings, but so do bats. And so do bees. And they are not birds. What makes a bird a bird? Is it because it can fly? Yes, many birds do fly, but penguins don't fly, and ostriches don't fly, and yet they are still birds. No, what makes a bird a bird? And the answer is feathers. Feathers. Birds have What makes Christianity, Christianity? What separates it from all the other religions in the world? Is it because we are called to love God and love our neighbors as ourselves? Nope, there's other religions who, who do that. Is it because we call God Father and we have this so-called intimate connection with the God of heaven and earth? No. There are other religions who claim to be able to do that. Is it the command to treat people like you want to be treated? No. Even though we are called to do that. That is not what makes Christianity, Christianity. What makes Christianity, Christianity is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is the central component of what it is to be a Christian. And unfortunately, beloved, Christianity is known for many things in our world. And there are many things that we could say that we believe. But at the center of it all, the one non-negotiable is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
is at the core. This is the core message of Jesus, of Christianity, beloved, and it is simple. People like to complicate it today, but it is simple. This is our core belief. It is the confession, the, the conviction that Jesus Christ died on the cross and three days later he was raised from the dead. That is the central, essential core of what we confess. This is the point of our proclamation. This is the climax of redemptive history. Everything in the Bible before it is pointing to it. And everything in history after it is pointing back to it. The empty tomb. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. You read the four Gospels. You read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And what you read in there is the life of Jesus as it is being built up toward one event. The resurrection of Jesus. All four Gospels make this their focus. All four of them. Not all four Gospels focus on the birth of Jesus. Not all four Gospels emphasize the teachings of Jesus. But all four Gospels focus their attention and make their point concerning the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave. That's the issue. And unfortunately, 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 we, we, we often make Jesus out to be some wisdom guru. As if he's like Confucius. Or Gandhi, or Mark Twain. But the emphasis of the Bible, beloved, and don't miss this the emphasis of the Bible is not on Jesus as a good teacher, it is not upon Jesus as a great prophet. The emphasis on the Bible is Jesus as Savior raised from the dead. That's the point. Unfortunately, we make Christianity about many things today, many peripheral things. We make it about culture wars. We make it about ethnicity and race. We make it about social justice. We make it about politics and go on and so forth and etc. And really in the scriptures, there is only one thing that really matters, and that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Christ. This, this, this was the point. This was the testimony of the early Christians. You don't see the early Christians engaged in culture wars. You don't see the early Christians making a big deal out of anything except the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead. You see this in the book of Acts. The emphasis was not on Jesus being a great teacher. The emphasis was not on Jesus being a great prophet. The proclamation and their witness was this, that Jesus was raised from the dead 
And they saw him. And they saw him. Peter made this clear. He made this painstakingly clear when he preached that first sermon on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 23. Peter spoke in no uncertain terms when he said, this Jesus, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men, but God raised him up. God raised him up, loosing the pains of death because it was not Possible for him to be held by it. That was the central message. That was the distinguishing mark. Christ was raised from the dead. And Paul makes his point. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. When he wanted to be clear, clear, clear on the core message of the gospel. Paul says this is it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 3, he says, For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance. This is the issue. This is the important matter. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Of all the truths, beloved, of all the truths that we believe and we proclaim, it is the resurrection that makes the eternal difference the resurrection that makes the eternal is the resur- it is the resurrection that matters that's what matters it is the central truth of our faith it is the power behind the christian life it is the power that empowers the christian life the resurrection of jesus christ the christian faith is fueled by the resurrection. You want to know what pushed them, those apostles, out of Jerusalem, out of Samaria, and out into all of the parts of the world? It is because they believed that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. That's what fueled them. They weren't out there trying to get elected. They weren't out there trying to change people's political persuasions. They left Jerusalem, went into Samaria and the other parts of the world because they believed Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And they believed that whoever would believe that, it would make an eternal difference in their life. The only thing that would make a difference. That, that, beloved, is what fuels the Christian life. It's the resurrection of Jesus. It is the power 
that changes your perspective. Those who believe Jesus is raised from the dead, I mean really believe it. It's not just some cultural myth that they've been raised in, but they actually really believe that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead and have experienced that life-changing power, they bear witness to it. This is the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3. The scripture that has been read in our hearing. This is the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3. Before the Apostle Paul, the resurrection of Jesus changed everything. Changed everything for him. It'll change everything for you too if you think about it. It will change your life if you Think about it and embrace it in its truth and in its power. It'll change your life. It changed Paul. For Paul, his life was tied up in his ethnicity, in his Jewishness, being a minority and experiencing oppression and injustice at the hands of the Romans and others, and all seeing his people experience this. For Jews, because of that, culture and ethnic pride was everything. It was everything. He was a Jewish nationalist. He was a religious zealot. He was Jewish and proud. For him, Jewish lives mattered. And you know, he says it. Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. He says, y'all want to talk about cred? Y'all want to talk about cred? If someone else thinks that they have more credit than I do. Let me put it plainly to you. I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel. I am of the tribe of Benjamin. You think you a Hebrew? I'm a Hebrew. You think you are good according to the law? Man, I'm a Pharisee. As far as Paul was concerned, beloved, his Jewish identity was everything. It defined his life. It gave him significance. It was the source of pride and confidence. There was no power like Jewish power. That was until he experienced Christ and the power of the resurrection. And what difference did it make, beloved? It made all the difference in the world. For he declared 
that Jewish power was no match for resurrection power. So he says in verse 7, Philippians chapter 3, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, beloved, I consider everything, everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, and I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I forsake all of that because I want to know Jesus. And not just know him, but that power that raised him from the Resurrection power. Resurrection of Jesus, beloved. I want y'all to really meditate on what Paul is saying here. The truth of the resurrection of Jesus is a power more powerful and more desirable than racial or cultural identity. That's what he's saying. And this is true. This is true. This is the power of Christ and his resurrection. Christianity is the most culturally and racially diverse religion in the world. Even more than that. It is the most culturally and racially diverse religion the world has ever known. It has ever known. Jesus and his resurrection is believed and professed by peoples all over the globe. Christianity this morning, this resurrection morning, is present and diverse in every hemisphere and every continent on the earth. Today, every color of humanity is celebrating the resurrection. And why is that? Why is that? That is because unlike other religions and unlike it is commonly perceived, there is not a distinct culture that you must embrace in order to be a Christian. Because at the core of our faith, the core of our faith is not based upon some moral teaching. It is not based in some primary language. It is not based in some people group. It is based upon the witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And that transcends all cultures, all race, all ethnicities. That is the power of the resurrection. It overcomes pride and prejudices. That is the power. It brings down and destroys differences and discriminations. 
There is a power, beloved. There is a power that is more powerful than white power. There is a power that is more powerful than black power. There is a power more powerful than Latino power. There is a power more powerful, as Paul would say, than even Jewish power. It is resurrection power. It is that power. It is that power that really changes lives. It changes perspectives. It changes lives. It creates new people. It creates new community. It creates new life. It gives a confidence where there was none before. That's what happened with the Apostle Peter. That's what happened with the Apostle Peter, beloved. A confidence where there was no confidence before. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Peter says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because that's what matters. That's where it comes from. That's the strength. That's the power. That's the confidence. The power of the resurrection is our help and is our hope. That's what Peter's saying. I have help because Jesus is alive. I have hope because Jesus is alive. I have help this morning. You have help this morning because Jesus is alive. The power of the resurrection is the help you need. That's what you need. It is the resurrection and trust and belief in a resurrected Christ that you need to get through this life and into the life to come. Because, you know, that's what most people are after today, right? I mean, if we boil it down to, just, just boil it down to what people need, the one thing that people need is help. Anybody come to my office, Pastor Phil, what they're looking for? Help. They knock on the church door, what they looking for? Help. When they go down to government agencies, what are they looking for? Help. Why? Because everybody need help. That's what everybody need. You need help moving? Yep. You call somebody because you need help moving. You need help getting in school. You need help with your sicknesses or addictions. You need help with your relationships. You need help with your husband. You need help with them kids. You need help with work. Anybody need help this morning? Anybody need help this morning? Of course you do. Of course you do. And unfortunately, beloved, unfortunately, we don't always get the help we need in this life because we go for help in all the wrong places. First thing we do is try to get self-help. And self-help just doesn't work. It's an oxymoron. If I could help myself, I wouldn't need any help. 
And because we go to all the wrong places looking for help, we fall into disappointment. We fall into doubt. We fall into discouragement. We fall into despair. Anybody have any doubts this morning? Yes, you do. Anybody find themselves discouraged this morning? Yes, you do. Why? Because I have them. I have my doubts. I have my discouragements. I have my disappointments. What do you do, beloved, with your doubts when you go for help and there is no help? What do you do with your disappointments? Beloved, I try to remind myself of this central truth. That Jesus is alive. That Jesus is alive. I try, I try to take it to Jesus. That's what I try to do. I try to take it to Jesus and I tell myself that the Savior is not dead. That he is risen. That his death may have forgiven me of my sins, but his resurrection now fuels me to get through. He is not dead. He is alive. And he who is alive is my helper. He is my helper. Whatever I am going through, beloved, whatever you are going through, the Bible says he has been there. He has done that. And he is here to get you through. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest, who has ascended into heaven. In other words, we have a great high priest who has been raised from the dead, Jesus, the Son of God. Because he has been raised from the dead, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. What is that faith? That Christ is alive. Hold firmly to that. That he is living. For we do not have We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. He's been there. He's done that. And he has come through. Therefore, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Why? So that we might receive mercy and find grace that does what? Help. Help us in our time of need. This is what the resurrection does. So help. The power of the resurrection to us is the power to endure suffering in this life. It's what it is. It is the power to overcome the pain and the hurt and the disappointment. It is the power to love and forgive your enemies. It is the power to sing through sorrow. It is the power to rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Why? Because Jesus is alive. Death has lost its victory and the grave has been denied. He is alive. And the power that raised him is your help this morning. That's your help. That's your help. It raised Jesus. It is present in the lives of all those who put their faith and trust, who stand firm in their conviction. 
so that at the time of their great need, they can call on him. And he is there. Is this help? Is this help that brings us hope? That brings us hope this morning. Beloved, listen to me. The power of hope may be the greatest power that there is. And no one, no one gives more hope than the living, resurrected Jesus. The most discouraged people in the world this morning, beloved, are not those without food. It's not those without shelter. The most discouraged people this morning are those without hope. Someone has said that humans can live about 40 days without food, about four days without water, about eight minutes without air, but only a second without hope. The hopeless life is the futile life, the life not worth living. One theologian said, what oxygen is for the lungs, so hope is for meaning in the human life. Hopelessness and despair afflict our world all around. Do you know this morning that hospitals are filled with people who not because they have some physical affliction, but because they have lost hope? It was Jesse Jackson who reminded us, didn't he? <laughs> Keep hope alive. Keep hope alive. Keep hope alive. And I'm going to tell us Christians that, beloved. For the Christian, hope is alive. Because Jesus is alive. And every time that we proclaim Jesus is alive, we proclaim that hope is alive. Hope is alive. In Christ, life is never hopeless. This is the power of the resurrection. Life is never hopeless. Listen to me, beloved. No matter how dark or discouraging it gets, Christ is alive, and therefore you have hope. This is what got the disciples out of hiding. After the resurrection, they went into hiding. What got them out of hiding? Jesus is alive. That's what got them running. This is what encouraged the witness of the early church. This is what empowered the lives of the saints in the midst of the persecutions. What keeps you going? Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. And because he lives, I have hope. Hope in this life, but more importantly, hope in the life to come. I have hope. I have hope. This is what Peter did, beloved, when Peter denied the Lord three times. Denied the Lord three times at the Lord's arrest. 
hid, hid in shame and fear at the crucifixion. And he who was ashamed to name himself among his disciples after the resurrection declared in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given me another chance. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth to a what? Living hope. How did this come, Peter? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Life at times is filled with darkness, beloved. It is. It's filled with difficulties. It's filled with doubts. It's even filled with death. But for the Christian, it is never hopeless. Never hopeless. Never hopeless. Why? Because our hope is not in ourselves, but in the one who conquered death and is alive forevermore. Our hope is not in our own abilities. Our hope is not in our own strength. Our hope is not in our own judgments. Our hope is not in politicians. It is not in prophets. Our hope is not in parents. Our hope is not in teachers. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19 tells us that our hope has to be on something more firm. It has to be on something more solid. It has to be on something more certain. It has to be on something more secure. Why? Because life comes at you fast. Life comes at you fast. One day you're in elementary, the next day you're in high school, and the next thing you know you're graduating from college. Just like that. It comes at you fast. One moment you're a child, the next moment you're a parent, and all of a sudden you're a grandparent. I know. Just like that. And you're looking in the mirror and you're wondering, I don't look that old. (laughs) Life comes at you fast, beloved. Change is quick. Change is inevitable. And you better have a solid foundation under you. You better have something that you are holding on to that is immovable and unshakable. You better have a truth that has stood the test of time. What truth are you holding on to this morning? What hope are you building your life upon? Are you hoping that you get that raise? Is that your hope this morning? Are you hoping that you're going to get accepted in school? Maybe you're hoping that she'll say yes. (laughs) Well, beloved, I'm here to tell you this morning, those things may or they may not work out for you like you hoped. But really, if we're honest, a lot of what we call hope is just wishful thinking. You're just wishing. You're wishing each other a happy birthday. You're wishing each other a happy anniversary. You're wishing that you get the job. You're wishing you get the house approved. The power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not a wish. It's a guaranteed hope. Jesus was raised from the dead not to be your genie. He is not a genie, beloved. 
He didn't die and was raised again to grant you three wishes. No, he died and rose again so that you and I would have hope. Hope. Hope for today. Hope for tomorrow. The guarantee of hope for all eternity. That's how the Bible puts it. In Psalm 30, in verse 5, it says, Weeping may endure for a night, but because of Jesus, joy comes in the morning. But I heard Annie say it too. The sun will come out tomorrow. <laughs> Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there will be sun. Just thinking about tomorrow clears away the cobwebs and the sorrows till there's none. But when I'm stuck with a day that's gray and lonely, I just stick out my chin and I grin and I say, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know who holds the future and life is worth the living, Annie, just because he lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is alive. Thank you, Jesus. That's what we say. That's our hope. He is alive. Let us pray.